Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Welcome to the latest installment of the Golf Show on 96.1 WSBT, WSBTradio.com, and the WSBT Radio app. I'm WSBT Radio Sports Director Darren Pritchett, joined by John Foster, the General Manager at Warren Golf Course at Notre Dame, and Tim Firestone, the owner of Blackburn Golf Club in South Bend. Gentlemen, good morning. How are you on this beautiful Saturday morning? <laughs> good, Darren. <laughs> I'm getting the golf fans fired up because we're supposed to have good weather this weekend, and I'm hoping to get maybe a tip from Tim Firestone for pushing people to go to Blackthorn Golf Club this weekend, although I'm betting you probably de- you don't need a whole lot of help considering the weather. I'm sure the tee time sheet is pretty full at this time. Yeah, there's 280 players on the book for <laughs> Saturday right now. So it's going to be quite the popular spot this weekend. Well, I don't need to be your agent then. You're doing totally fine. And I got to tell you guys, I have a really good friend from high school and college, lives over in Bloomington Normal, and finally Illinois is starting to open up some of their restrictions on golf. And he had spent a couple of weekends over in West Lafayette playing. There's still a lot of controversy over there, guys. You can only be in twosomes. The tee times are 15 minutes apart, and you're not allowed to use a golf cart. And I wonder out loud, well, why can't? You use your own golf cart if you have one, but I guess it could possibly lead to people borrowing it, concerns over the carts being clean. But Illinois has been very slow in this process, guys. For Illinois and Indiana to be border states, it feels like they're a universe apart. Yeah, yeah I mean. I think, go ahead, Timmy. Yeah. I mean, I'm just thinking from a golf course owner's perspective and with these restrictions, might as well keep it closed. I mean, how much revenue are you really going to generate going out in twosomes every 15 minutes with no carts? Um, so it's not a win for the golf courses, I don't think. I think it's a small win for uh, golfers maybe. But at the end of the day, I still think we're going to see Illinois golfers flocking to Indiana to play. Hmm. Well, I think possibly the private clubs might have an argument. I- I'm just surprised that – well, I know some private clubs are throwing fits about this. They feel like, well, we're private. Maybe we play by different rules, but it is not played out that way in the state of Illinois. So this is probably going to be developing in the coming days as there's a lot of frustration over there. But the good news is folks can come to Indiana and enjoy our great golf courses. So, Tim, just a, a little follow-up. What's happening at Blackthorn right now as we give our weekly update on what's happening at your guys' golf courses? Yeah, you know, we had some pretty crappy weather um, this week, obviously, um, so we didn't get much play uh, on uh, Thursday and Wednesday. But you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday are, are very busy. Things are going well. Golf course is in great shape, and um, you know, we continue to uh, operate the facility as safely uh, as we can for our customers. And everybody seems to uh, uh, be having a great time, and, and trust that we're doing that. And we definitely have the demand here. I saw on WSBT 22 News, I, I saw a video feature and a, a piece on Blackthorn, and, and Tim was on there to 
do an interview. It was during Sports Beat, so I could only see you, not hear you. I'm sure you were brilliant. But I did Sorry, see the first time. <laughs> media mogul is what I am. <laughs> well, you learn from the master. Yeah, that's right. I did. You trained me well. Yeah, Mr. Foster <laughs> I'm talking about, not me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I learned plenty of things from Foster, trust me. <laughs> hey, I call this show Sports Beat, so you're probably going to call your course Warren at some point if you're going to be listening to me. <laughs> so, But anyway, but for the first time I saw the what you talked about last week where you have the pins in and at Blackthorn you leave the pins in at all time, but also you have that little device that only allows, what, half the golf ball to go in the hole? Yeah, about three-quarters of the okay. golf ball goes in, yeah. Um, I think people like that better than some of the things where the cups are raised outside of the holes, where, you you know, right. um, this seems to be more uh, what the consumer wants. And, again, you're not digging down there, reaching around. You can easily access your golf ball without touching the pin. John Foster, I know at Warren Golf Course you've given us updates every week, and Warren never opened before the pandemic started. So do you have an update on what's happening at Warren Golf Course at Notre Dame? No, nothing, nothing solid. I, I think uh, we're probably, and rightfully so, taking a backseat. You know, the university's uh, biggest concern right now is what, what can we do as a university to get the students back here for the fall semester? And that will pretty much dictate everything else that happens. Now, that being said, uh, they are considering this, and they have um, – seeing the plans that we put together on, you know, how we would go about opening, what are the procedures and protocols we have in place to make sure our guests as well as our staff uh, are as safe as possible. And we've adopted um, standards that we've read about, whether it be from the USGA, uh, the various golf associations, uh, the PGA of America, and we think we have a pretty solid plan. And so hopefully, I mean, it goes beyond revenue here is what I was explaining to one of our uh, officers here at the university, I, at least I think this is the case. <clears throat> it's not so much the revenue that we would be producing, which, you know, we we sure need that, but it's kind of given hope to the university that, you know, things can get back to normal. And look, there's the first <clears throat> positive sign, because I can't imagine any other venue on campus op- opening before us, um, whether it be Compton Ice Arena. I mean, I know you're the, the hockey guy, Darren, but, you know, there's a lot of close contact when sure. one's playing hockey. Uh, so there's a lot of youth hockey leagues that come to town, um, you know, and, and play their events at Compton. Even the tennis center here, uh, there's all kinds of considerations. I know they put a plan together at Act Tennis Center, but I think of those types in the bookstore, you know, maybe maybe they would open before us, but I think we're probably the most likely candidate to uh, to open at this point, but I I have nothing solid. When I think back to over a decade ago when there was that economic downturn and the golf industry, I think this was when we were just starting to do the show, the golf industry took a pretty hard hit. Golf became a luxury. It became something that was almost back burner for a lot of people as they struggled financially. In this particular moment with the pandemic, the unemployment rate is at an all-time high. It, it feels like soon the company is going to try to, or the country is going to try to open up, and we're going to see people going back to work. Do you feel like all things considered, that money is tight for a lot of people? Do you do you feel like the golf industry is going to come out of this in better shape than when we had that horrible economic downturn over over a decade ago? 
That's a heavy question, <laughs> I know. That's a good question. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think a lot of it obviously depends upon the speed of the recovery uh, is one thing. I mean, if we have long-term 20 to 25% unemployment rates, I, I, it doesn't look good. Um, on the other hand, um, golf may be perceived, if there's still the fear factor out there, it may be perceived as one of the alternatives, probably right. one of the prime alternatives for recreation as opposed to, say, going to a football game or going to here and there. So maybe the expendable income that is available might be spent on golf. So I, it just is a guess at this point for anybody. I mean, some economist claims uh, or some supposed golf industry guru is telling us what's going to happen. Nobody knows what's going to happen at this point, Darren. I mean, it's, right. it's fun to speculate. They're interesting to speculate. I do know this. What, one business I wish I were in at this point. So I decided when I start playing golf again, uh, you know, I'm I'm a little bit older than you guys, and I, I need to stay in shape, especially when you look at the uh, coronavirus issue and, and some of the vulnerable groups. I'm pretty well near that. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to get in shape. So I've been walking religiously uh, every day. Uh, trying to trying to get a little bit healthier, and I'm like, I'm gonna I'm gonna walk. You know, I'm not gonna ride carts anymore. I'm gonna walk when I can when I mm. come back. However, I don't like toting my bag around, and I don't like push carts. So we've all seen <laughs> the remote control yeah. caddies, which you know are really cool. We got a couple guys out here that play uh, and use these things. And I, you know, I, I like to walk. I just don't want to carry my clubs. So I went online, and I thought, you know what, I'm gonna order one of these. They are the most rare thing on the internet right now. I was trying to find one <laughs> for the very reason that we were talking about earlier, that people want to play golf so badly, but there's no way they're going to tote their clubs around, and they normally don't walk anyway. So it's the next. That's a good point. These aren't cheap. That you know, it's it's they're in excess of a thousand dollars. Some of them are even more than two thousand. I was looking for something wow. in the four hundred dollar range, but maybe that's why I couldn't find it. But anyway, that's one industry that that's going to thrive. Hmm. I guarantee, you, at least in the short term. That's interesting. I, I'm imagining yeah. your golf bag to be a model of Al Cervix. <laughs> on Caddyshack, you know oh. that huge bag. <laughs> that's what I'm picturing. You got a refreshment no. stand in there, or what? I've, no. got I've got a little carry bag that I, I don't use one of the big staff bags. Come on. How about that? No. Those have kind of gone away. I don't even use one anymore. I don't think, I mean, I don't. that's not the thing as it once was, you know? Mm -mm. No, I think, you know, it, it, I always use mine as kind of ornamental. I put it in the shop and we'd stick clubs in it or something. And I think the club companies, I don't think they supply them anymore unless you'd request it. Well, guys, yeah. the reason why I asked that deep question, just hearing Tim talk about over 200 players on your T-sheet for the weekend, there's obviously a lot of people that are excited to play. Now, I know not every golf course is open at this time, but it just feels like that golf is a tremendous outlet right now, and possibly some people are refining the game because there's so little to do right now. Yeah, I mean, I think John said it on the show last week that, you know, look, this is a good chance for people that haven't played in the last couple of years. What else are you going to do? Get out of the house, hit some balls, and, um, you know, try to fall in love with the game again. But, I mean, look, people are so – there's just nothing to do. And, you know, golf is, is one of them. Um, so, um I think we're in a good position. I think that seems to kind of be the recurring theme from everybody. This is a safe environment, and it's a great stress reliever. And outside, I think, you know, April was a horrible 
weather month. I mean, John, if you guys were open, it's I don't uh, think you lost that much revenue anyway. Probably, you know. Tim, what I mean? that's interesting. I uh, we were talking about that earlier in the week. That you know, it's not like we were missing out on this bonanza of, of players that would have been here if it were normal conditions. I think, I, and you would know better than than I. I think people at your course probably are playing golf on days they normally wouldn't just because of the scarcity mm-hmm. of golf. But I think there's probably six to seven days only that we missed in April. Wow. That's probably true. We And yeah. I think John hit it on the head. The difference is if it was 52 and sunny, we had a full tee sheet. Where in yeah. April, that would not have happened before. Right. But yeah. again, you know, we're generating now players from Chicago and Michigan and, mm-hmm. and all over the place. So we've, yeah. uh, we've got a much bigger... Um, pond we're fishing in, so to speak, to get yeah. golfers here. But at the end of the day, if, if this was a normal April, um, there just wasn't that many good days. Yeah. And the one thing I would say, too, Darren, is I think May is going to be a pivotal month for a lot of the mm-hmm. golf courses, especially Michigan and Illinois. If they can't get back opened on a normal, regular revenue generating like they're used to, uh, and they lose that full month of May, and if by any chance they would lose June, that would really be detrimental, I think, to a lot of golf courses um, in those. I mean, it's just so, so tough now, John. Can attest it's it's not an easy business now. Golf courses are barely hanging on, and then to get two months uh, of good revenue months taken out of your uh, yeah. annual revenues would be tough. John Foster, Amen. Tim Firestone, Darren Pritchett, The Golf Show here on WSBT Radio. We'll take a timeout. When we come back, Mr. Foster and I will be joined by John Handrigan, the men's golf coach at the University of Notre Dame. They are coming off an historic season. We'll talk golf with John in a couple of moments. The Golf Show presented by Michelob Ultra on 96.1 WSBT, the sports leader. Welcome back to the Golf Show presented by Michelob Ultra. Stay in, stay active, enjoy. Proudly distributed locally by United Beverage of South Bend. I'm Darren Pritchett, joined by John Foster, the general manager of Warren Golf Course at Notre Dame. Tim Firestone will rejoin us in the next segment. Our guest is John Handrigan, the Notre Dame men's golf coach, and it was an historic season for the Notre Dame golf program. They set a school record by winning four tournaments. They were ranked in the top ten nationally, ranked as high as number five. And from the way it sounds, they still have a pretty good nucleus coming back for next season. John, welcome to the Golf Show. Thank you so much for joining us. How are you? I'm doing well, and thanks for having me today. I look forward to talking with you guys. We thank you so much for your time. And, John Foster, I'm just going to start with you. You've had a chance to be around John to see what he's done with this program since being hired in July of 2017. How would you describe John and what he has done with this golf program? Uh, the worst three years of my life. I mean, I guess that sums it up. Uh, <laughs> listen, Dare, you, you, you know, you just cited the numbers, and it goes well beyond the numbers. Um, seriously, John's been a real pleasure to work with, and I say that because we feel like we're part of the golf team, and that's uh, uh, that includes Matt Seelan, my superintendent, and our respective staffs, and we've always wanted that, and it hasn't always been that way necessarily, so... We have a lot of interaction day-to-day with John. He provides a lot of good input as far as what he'd like to see in the golf course and what he thinks is important for college golf. Um, him and Scott Gump, as I say, are great to work with. They've had a lot of success in a short amount of time, and both on the course and 
from a recruiting standpoint. Some of the players that um, you know want to come and play golf at Notre Dame now um, are just phenomenal, and um, I I always had felt that you know this this product we have here was maybe being undersold, and I think John, one of the first things when he came in, he he appreciated and he recognized. What a great facility this is, golf course yeah. and the practice facility, uh, notwithstanding the Notre Dame education, which is uh, one of his big selling points as well. But uh, just the quality of recruits that have come through here, and he brings the recruits to us and, and introduces them and their parents to, you know, Matt's staff, my, uh, me and my staff. It's just you feel like we're part of the family, and yeah. um, he's done a phenomenal job, and I expect that to continue. I'm, I know you're going to talk about it here. Um, we were all equally disappointed when the season was cut short because uh, God knows where these guys could have gone this year. But I'm going to do something very uh, uncommon for me. I'm going to shut up at this point and let you and John talk. <laughs> well, it's interesting what you were saying about the golf program. That sounded like statements made about the hockey program 20 years ago, and Coach Jackson has taken that program to a national level. And John is on his way of doing that right now with the men's golf program. John, how important has it been to have a golf course like Warren to be your home facility? Well, I've been fortunate to coach at a lot of schools now across the country, and uh, and I haven't been to one yet that has an elite golf course that can host a major championship. And, uh, and obviously hosting the Senior Open last year to be recognized for that, to tell recruits that we're the only school in the country that's hosted a major championship um, just speaks volumes for a golf course. And when you want to, you know, recruit players that want to improve and play in the PGA Tour, you have to have a great way to instruct and help them improve. Um, and our golf course does that. You know, we we play there as much as we possibly can. Our facility is outstanding. Um, Matt and, and Foster, they do a, a great job with uh, making us feel like it's our home. Um and, uh, and we get to play a championship golf course day in and day out. And I can't tell you how much that prepares us uh, for competition. Um, and Matt does a, a great job, Matt Steelen, of, of setting it up uh, the way uh, Coach Gump and I would like to help us practice. And, uh, and that prepares us for when we get on the road and we play some of the best golf courses in the country. Um, we're fortunate to have that at our own, at our own home. Coach, before we leave, talking about Warren Golf Course, what was your thoughts on seeing the U.S. Senior Open take place in the facility? It's a shame the golf course did not dry out. So the scores probably were a little higher than we expected. But how did the golf course hold up against the best senior players? Yeah, I think the first two days when it was soft, we had that unforeseen rain that we weren't expecting. Um, it's, uh, there, there are some low scores out there, but the last two days when it firmed up and played the way, um, Matt and John wanted it to play, I think it, uh, it held its own pretty well. And, and the last day, um, I can't remember the exact scoring, but there wasn't too many players that uh, were under par and very few in the sixties. So it's a really good test of golf. Um, you can't control mother nature. But having some of the best players of all time at our home golf course was, was amazing. We had a, a skybox um, for our alums and, and donors to come back to. And, and uh, it was neat because those are all the players that I grew up watching. Um, I wish I could take some of the credit for it, but I was just there kind of reaping the rewards of the, the Senior Open. And a lot of work that uh, our staff put in. Um, but I thought they did a phenomenal job, and uh, to host that championship here at Notre Dame was was outstanding. And and the players too that 
that played in the event, all the, the kind remarks that they had afterwards about how good our golf course was and, and telling, you know, on national TV that if I was, uh, you know, if they were going back to college again, they would, they would look at Notre Dame because it was a fabulous uh, golf course and experience. So it just it speaks volumes uh, of what we have here, and we're fortunate to have some of the best facilities in the country. John Handrigan, Notre Dame men's golf coach, our guest on WSBT Radio. John, take us back to early on in your tenure as Notre Dame men's golf coach. As you think back, what is possibly the most important thing that you did that set the stage for this tremendous season? I think John Foster taught, uh, touched on it a little bit earlier, but we just created a new culture, and we have so many positive things here at Notre Dame, um, and the culture of the team um, didn't understand or appreciate all the things that we had to offer. And we, uh, we obviously recruited hard and, and brought in some really strong players, but we developed the current players into elite players. And there's seniors that are graduating this year that um, their first couple of years they weren't performing to their expectations or ours. And, uh, and we worked hard with those players to develop them and make them into top college players. And uh, those are the players that competed for us this year and got us ranked in the top 10 in the country. Um, but I would say Notre Dame's got a lot to offer, and we created a different kind of culture. Um, we created a team culture, like John Foster was just talking about, that we incorporate everybody as part of our team, and that's you know, our, the golf staff. That's the starters at the golf course. That's Matt Seelan and his staff. That's people on campus that can help our team. And, and that was uh, you know Scott Gump, who's a phenomenal assistant coach. He's we're utilizing him in a different way because, I mean, he played on tour for, for 20 years and he can help our players improve and develop. And, and he was a big part of it. And we hired um, um, a new volunteer assistant coach and he just uh, retired at Notre Dame. But Scott Malpass, he's, he taught um, our players what the culture of Notre Dame should be as well. So we have a lot to offer at Notre Dame and we're fortunate to really um, show our players what we can do. John Foster, let me just ask you, being around mm -hmm. the program, seeing these golfers, seeing the coaching staff, what impresses you about the culture that's been created? It's just a 180-degree turnaround, Darren. Um, you know, the, the kids were frustrated uh, themselves, I think, and at the, the, the fact that they were kind of rudderless in, in terms of where they wanted to go. And there's, this brought clarity, I think, to what, it's, what it should be to play golf at Notre Dame. John's done that. Um, and the kids, uh, I wouldn't call them undisciplined before necessarily. They were wanting some direction, wanting some uh, discipline, and they now know what the expectations are. Mm -hmm. They're very clear. John points out to each one of them individually what's expected of them, and if they don't perform, they don't play. And I thought it was so telling that um, John, in an earlier interview, I'm trying to think it was with Golf Week, I believe, where at times when he came in here his first year, you had kids actually silently rooting against other kids to play poorly so maybe they could play the next week. And then that's just obviously um, very divisive for a team. And he's, he's managed to turn that around where the kids compete against one another now. They don't wish the other person bad. They just want to beat them. Mm -hmm. John Handrigan, Notre Dame men's golf coach, our guest on WSBT Radio, John Foster, Darren Pritchett alongside. Coach Handrigan, I know at the start of the year, and I'm not sure how the rankings are done in college golf, but you guys were ranked in the 100s. As I mentioned at the Open, you ended up being ranked in the top 10 as high as number five in the country. 
did the rest of the country not know what you had, or did possibly this group exceed even your expectations at the start of the year? Yeah, I think um, we could see how well our program was improving over the last couple of years. And, and like we talked about, we had a culture in place that we felt was going to produce some, some winning programs and winning teams. Um, did I foresee us you know, breaking all those records and winning four out of our first five events? Definitely not. You know, that exceeded um, our goals even as a team. Um, however, you know, we, we worked hard and the, the guys really improved throughout the last couple of years. And we could foresee that we're going to have a, a great team. And that team's not going to stop after this year, you know. And unfortunately, it was, it was cut short and being ranked top ten in the country. It, it's, uh, I don't think it surprised a lot of people out there because I think they knew what Notre Dame golf was capable of. And, and they, they kind of knew who I was as a coach. So, um, But, you know, at the same time, you know, we were a team that people were looking at, you know, kind of in the corner of their eyes coming up that uh, they were they were concerned about. So we were you know, going to some tournaments. We were the team in the field that everyone was like, oh, Notre Dame's here. They're top ten in the country. And it was nice to be recognized for that mm-hmm. because early on, you know, being ranked 100th in the, in the country, people were just looking at Notre Dame as an easy team to beat. Um, and now they're looking at us as a team that, you know, is likely going to beat them and they'd have to play their best golf to beat us. So it was nice to get that recognition. The guys deserved it. And uh, it wasn't uh, – but from a lot of hard work, that's for sure. And, Coach, is there an event in particular, whether it was this year or possibly last year, where you started to turn the corner and the group realized that everything that you had put into the program, the culture you had set, the hard work that the guys had put in, it all paid off? Yeah, I would say it was our first event this fall when, um, you know, in past years, we had chances to win. We couldn't quite get it done. And then our first event in the fall at Wisconsin, uh, their home golf course, who had a pretty strong field this year, um, we had a, a chance to win that, that final round, and we just blew everybody away uh, that final round and won by quite a few shots. And when we did that, we kind of broke through that first time and got the taste of winning. Everybody could see that you know we're an elite team, and it brought confidence. Um, success breeds success, and uh, and then the next week um, we weren't uh, we weren't happy with that one win. We wanted to win again, and the guys were extremely motivated. And then when we got ourselves in that position again to win, they just believed that you know what we've already did this, we've already won an event, we can do this again. And then you know sure enough, we won our second event. So um, and then they're hungry to win the third. Um, I got a really uh, this team that we, we've built is really hungry and they want to improve and they want to win everything they play. So there's, they're not content with just winning one or two. They want to, they want to win them all. And I'm, I'm really happy with how competitive they are and, and how much they want to uh, make this program better. Well, I'm sure being a golf coach with players all over the golf course, it can be tense at times when you're in a big event. But I would have to think there was one weekend in particular where going into the final round or in the midst of the final round, you had to be the most relaxed golf coach in history because i got to point out the Quail Valley Collegiate where you shattered the program's 54-hole scoring record by 21 strokes. You guys had 43 under par as your final score. I would assume that was the weekend where everything absolutely clicked for your group. Yeah, it sure was. It was a special week. Um, they just kept making birdies after birdies, um, and uh, and what a week! And and we had uh, 
know, the individual winner in Palmer Jackson that week, and he birdied the very last hole to, to win the individual title. Um, we broke a lot of a team records that week, and it was the last tournament of the fall. So pretty nice to go out on, uh, on that note and uh, just very happy for the guys. They worked so hard over the last three years, and sometimes you don't always see the rewards and the benefits of it. But, you know, to, to shoot your, your school record and win four to five and to end the fall, you know, top ten in the country, um, very, uh, very happy for them and extremely rewarding for us. Mr. Foster, I would assume you didn't give the pep talk that weekend. No, no, we were, <laughs> you know, we were following it on Golf Step, um, and you know, it's it's live. It's I think it was every three hole scoring or something. They kept posting all these scores. I was like, I, did they play eighteen holes or did they post after sixteen? I've just never <laughs> seen anything as far as the, the scoring goes. And uh, no, I did not give him a pep talk. I stay out of John and Scott's way when it comes to motivating. <laughs> the kids or golf instruction or anything else for that matter well well, it's pretty remarkable coach when you see the depth you had on your team and also three of your players were qualifiers for the u.s amateur and palmer jackson made it all the way to the quarterfinals that type of experience being a part of the u.s amateur what does that do for a collegiate player yeah, it just gives them confidence, right? So the USAM is the biggest amateur event in the world um, and definitely biggest in the summer. Um, and when they can compete at the highest level against the best players in the world, they, they feel they can come into Notre Dame and play against the best college players in the world. And, uh, and it just breathes, uh, you know, confidence in them. And, uh, and, you know, Palmer, as a freshman, usually there's a big transition there. But uh, he knew that if he can p- compete at the USAM and, he almost won the medalist honors there that he can do it in college. And there was no, you know, transition for him coming in. He was ready to dominate right off and uh, to win his first college event in his first semester uh, at Notre Dame. Um, it's pretty special. There's not too many players in the country that do that. So we were, we were lucky to have him and, and the other two players, um, Hunter and uh, Davis, who played in the USAM, same thing. You know, they had, a lot of confidence coming in, and that showed in our very first qualifier and then our first tournament, um, leading us to a, a really a big victory to start off the year. John, what does the roster look like next year? We have a, a great returning class, obviously, um, in the players that uh, we developed over the last couple of years, and uh, a lot of strong players um, coming back. And then also our freshman class is uh, ranked one of the best in the country. So we got uh, three players coming in from all over, uh, one from San Francisco, one from Arizona, and then one from Ponte Vedra, Florida. And uh, they're elite players in the class, um, all ranked uh, top 25 or top 30 in that class uh, for sure. So we think, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's always hard to be a ranked, you know, top five team in the country, but we feel that we've got everything in place to be a, an elite team again. And, and hopefully – um, if everything gets kind of back to normal, we can you know, compete for a national championship, and I think we have all the pieces to do that. Well, it's exciting, John. Just from the standpoint, you're doing it in a climate where it's not always as nice as some of the other schools. We've seen Mike Small at the University of Illinois have them in the NCAA tournament in the running for a national championship for a decade now. So you guys are showing it's possible to win, I guess, out of the South. Yeah, yeah, it's not easy in the north, as you know, with the winters that we have. But uh, one strength that we really have at Notre Dame, and that's uh, that's our network and our alumni. 
yep. and they're great supporters of our program. Um, the team prior to uh, to Coach Gump and I working to get together only went down south one time uh, in the winter, and now our team goes down every single weekend to practice and work on our games. So um, this past year, our guys uh, were that are mainly in the business school didn't have classes on Fridays, so we would leave Thursday evening, um, go down to mostly Florida, play golf Friday, Saturday, and Sunday every single week wow. to get ready for our first tournament. Um, and, you know, the alums that we have are members at some great places, so we get to go to, you know, Augusta National and Seminole and places that are mm. top ten in the in the country. So it's, it's pretty nice that our guys get to experience that. And plus, you know, if you're, you're going to play and, and beat some of the best southern schools in the country, you got to play a lot of golf. And uh, we, have a, we have an awesome indoor facility. That's, uh, there's no – you have to be playing, and, and there's no uh, – no, nothing different than, uh, you know, playing competitive golf on grass. So we got to make sure we're doing that, and we do everything we can to, to get down there and travel and, and play that play golf. John, final question for you, and our good friend John Foster, he is known on the golf show as being one of the greatest name droppers of all time. <laughs> so I'm going to give you an opportunity to match him. Just with your time in college golf, being around different programs, are there a few guys that might be familiar names currently or in the past on the pga tour that golf fans might recognize well nobody knows more celebrities than john foster so i'm not going <laughs> to try to one-up him that's for sure but uh, uh i would say in the golf world uh, the guys that uh, that i love to uh, be around and and you know learned a lot about in my coaching days would be um billy horschel who won the fedex cup uh, a few years ago uh gary woodland who just won the uh uh, the uh, U.S. Open last summer. Um, pretty elite players there. I haven't been around guys like Tiger and people like that, but uh, some elite college players that have been around that have been successful on the PGA Tour uh, would be, you know, Woodland and, and Horschel for sure. Well, hopefully very, very soon. Players from the University of Notre Dame will be playing on the PGA Tour for us to enjoy. And, Coach, we greatly appreciate your time again. Congratulations. An historic season for the Notre Dame men's golf program. And when we get back to normalcy and these guys get back to competition once again, we look forward to following their progress. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you having me. All right, John. Thanks, buddy. The show. You bet. John Handrigan, Notre Dame men's golf coach, joining us. We'll be back with more golf show in a moment on WSBT. Along with John Foster and Tim Firestone, I'm Darren Pritchett. This is the golf show presented by Michelob Ultra. Stay in, stay active, enjoy. Proudly distributed locally by United Beverage of South Bend. I'm going to go a little different direction here, guys. In segment three, we've talked a lot about Blackthorne and Warren. Tim, just from your perspective, you obviously have the top golf suite in Granger, and that's a facility I guess would go into the category of non-essential. You have not been open. Do you get any feel at all right now when you could possibly reopen? Do you think it's anytime soon? Oh, man. I, I, you want to say yes from what you're seeing, but at the same time, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think um, I, I can see um, a little bit of potential com- conflict between our governor and the local officials here, mm-hmm. um, being in South Bend. That concerns me a little bit. Um, but it's going to be tough. I mean, it's, it, for all restaurants and everybody getting ramped back up, we've you know, we've laid off all the employees, and we got product that's been in there that's gone bad, and it's just going to be 
a, a, a big struggle to get this open. And for all the restaurant owners and bar owners out there, you know, it's uh, make sure you support as much as you can. And sure. when we get out of this thing, because it's going to be a grind. Have you guys seen a lot of individuals? I guess this is more for Tim than John since the facility isn't open at Warren. But are you mm-hmm. seeing people just coming out, Tim, hitting golf balls or putting on the putting green rather than possibly playing? Are, are people just doing different things, just trying to get out of the house? Oh, yeah. we uh, The range has just been packed. And a lot of those golf swings, I'm glad they're not playing. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, But, yes, to answer your question. And I, you know what else I'm seeing, I, which is great? I'm seeing, like, a lot of dads bringing their daughters and their sons out, too, which has been cool to see. Um, and uh, getting them out of the house and playing a little <laughs> golf and hitting some balls. So that's been neat. Well, I have a feeling, guys, if the PGA Tour can pull off Starting their tour again in early June, it's going to be on TV. That could lead to a little bit of a of golf explosion again. I think it goes back to what we were talking about a little bit ago. There is so little to do. I, I just have a feeling, guys, you're going to be in an industry that you're going to get quite a boost. If we get good weather this summer, if it's just one of those summers where everything works out weather-wise, I think you guys have a chance to have at least a little bit of a bounce back this summer. Because I think when people see golf on TV, that might stimulate them to get on the golf course a little bit more. Maybe. I think it's weather right now. It's the biggest whole thing. That's why I think, you know, today and tomorrow, and it's going to be great to see people coming out of the woodwork once it gets above 70. Right. You know, Darren, I don't know if if it's going to exceed what the numbers were before, I mean, as far as this summer goes, but... I think we'll see the golf industry return to, quote, normal faster than probably any other industry. Just because, again, given the nature of what you're doing and where you're doing it, I think you can see, like, Tim's business returning to normal revenue levels or so. I mean, I I don't know if we're going to be 20% above. I don't expect that. But the fact that you can get back to normal puts you well ahead of most other industries. As you think ahead to months down the line, and again, I'm basing this on a little bit of normalcy. I'm not sure we'll get back to anything normal anytime soon. As you think about eventually clubhouses opening up, do you see the way you guys handle food? Do you see that being handled any differently as you think down the line? That's a Have great you thought question. that far ahead? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've already begun um, all of our outings that were scheduled in May. Um, and we'll probably start working in June, we are um, going to um, uh, box lunches rather than doing the buffets like we normally would do, the burger, brat, chicken buffet type of of meals for the groups. We're now just doing all prepackaged food where everybody just grabs a box and goes. So uh, that's probably the biggest change we've made, and we probably won't even open up our full menu uh, in the grill area. We'll probably just stick with a very limited menu and, and carry out. So I think... Uh, it'll be basically a, a, a toned-down version of our normal offerings. You know, it's it's interesting. Day-to-day at a golf course, too, is a little bit different than a normal restaurant. And, it, I, I mean, Tim, maybe you're a little bit different out there. But in our case, the majority of, of it is to go anyway. You know, there aren't a lot of people that come here to have lunch. So, And then if you look at the fact that our GPS system can accommodate ordering uh, in advance and just picking up the food, grab and go type of thing. I think golf 
courses are pretty well suited to adapting to that. Um, we're already kind of doing it. So as you guys know, I'm not responsible for the concessions here. That's an outside company the university uses. Sure. But we've been speaking to them about ways we can alter the way we do business, at least initially. We'll wrap up the golf show next on 96.1 WSBT, the sports leader. The golf show on WSBT Radio. What's coming up? Again, Warren is closed right now, so we'll move to Tim Firestone at Blackthorn. We're open for play. Love to have you out. Black cards are still available. Um, our regular rates kicked in May 1st, so uh, get that black card. Make sure you're safe on all your rates. Driving range is open. Carts are running. Come and see us. Website is blackthorngolf.com for a tee time. John, good to be with you. We'll talk to you next week. Okay, guys. Thank you. Tim, have a good Thanks, weekend. Tim. Thank you. That's you the golf too, show brought to you by Michelob Ultra on 96.1 WSBT, the sports leader. Hey, everyone. Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass, Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering, char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous spicy range rattlers, all made daily in the scratch kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass, Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today.